Friday, I noticed a couple stories that uh, interested me. The first one was in the main section of the newspaper, and it was about a woman TV evangelist who had been assaulted by her husband. And when you finished that story, the a paper directed you that you could turn to the next section of the paper, the metro section, and find a story about a husband and wife pastor team who pastor a large church in Tampa who have now filed for divorce from one another. I found this interesting because I'd been in a workshop earlier in the week on clergy health, and one of the participants threw out this statistic. He said that according to surveys, 100% of clergy families are dysfunctional. And I thought my wife had a pretty good take on that. She said, well, so that means we're all normal. So I don't want you to get too overconfident because several years ago on PBS when John Bradshaw was doing a series on relationship, John Bradshaw said that 96% of all families are dysfunctional. Welcome to my world. But it's all of our world. It's even the world of the people in the Bible. There's something about living the faith that is particularly challenging in our family relationships. It's one thing to be a Christian at church. Most of us can pull it off most of the time. It's something else to be a Christian at work. It gets a little tougher. But it's another thing entirely to be able to walk your faith in the presence of the people who know you the best. I appreciate what a friend of mine once said. He talked about his family and his faith, and he said, For my Christian faith, my family's like kryptonite. You know, I just come in, I want to be super Christian. I want to be the best dad the best father, the best friend that I can be, but there's something about those relationships that it doesn't always go that way. That's our world. Good news is that's the world of the Scripture as well. Jesus, we're told, early in his ministry, his family came to put him away. His family came to take him out of circulation. They were worried about Jesus' mental health. His own family didn't follow him. And then we get to David, And we spent all summer on David, and we've talked about what a wonderful heart David has after God, and that is true. But boy, when it came to family relationships, did David struggle just like the rest of us. There's so many scriptures this morning I have listed for you that I don't want to take the time to read all of them, so let me instead just tell you the story of some of David's family adventures. David has eight wives and 20 sons and a number of daughters. One of David's sons by one wife was named Amnon. He fell in lust with his half-sister, a daughter of another wife. And when she refused him, he assaulted her. Now David didn't do anything about this assault. So her brother, Absalom, decided he would do something about it. And after waiting a period of time, he arranged an ambush. And he killed the brother who had assaulted his sister. Again, David did nothing about it. And for two years, Absalom lived away from Jerusalem, hiding from his father and his father's grief. But for the good of the kingship and the king's health and and the country, they arranged a reconciliation where the son, Absalom, could move home. But when he moved home, David said, you can live here, but I don't want to see you. And for two years, David ignored his son. But his son put the two years to good use. During those two years, he started currying favor with the people and saying, my father's too busy to pay attention to you. Bring your problems to me. I'll help you. And soon he had organized a full-scale coup. The revolution reached such a successful height that David and his government had to leave the capital. And only by the, just the 
slimmest of margins did David defeat this oldest son and hold on to his kingship. David knew the perils and the pain of family life, the perils of parenting. Now this morning I want to talk a little bit about the perils, but I don't want to leave it there. Because I want to tell you that David also knew the great joy and promise that comes with family life as well. But here's what we're going to do. Let's just ask this question. Why did David experience so much pain in his parenting? Why was there so much pain in his family life? And it seems to me a few answers suggest themselves right off the bat. First is that David, whether he inherited it or created it himself, we could argue both ways, David had a very difficult situation. To have eight wives and 20 sons is certainly what we'd call a blended family. Maybe too much to blend. And it was difficult. And yet, while David faced those challenges, we face similar challenges as well. There's a lot of pressure on our relationships, blended or not. With the advent of technology that once promised to save us so much time, what we found is that, in fact, technology takes more and more of our time. And the opportunities for our children to run into difficulty, the opportunities for us to run into difficulty, the stresses on our relationships have not gone down in our age of technology. They've only increased. And then when I read the Bible, I don't read one thing where David has to worry about his father, Jesse. I don't know. He doesn't have to, but most of us, we not only have to worry about our kids, but we're at a stage where we're worrying about our parents. It's a difficult situation that David had, but we've got one too. I think part of the reason David experienced so much pain in parenting and family life is it just comes with the territory. Let me put it another way. Anytime you have relationships that are close, like family, Anytime you love someone, you become very vulnerable. You know that if something happens to you, it may hurt. But if the same thing happened to your child, it would hurt a lot more. There's something about having family that just increases our exposure. As C.S. Lewis observed more than 50 years ago, we are never more vulnerable than when we love someone. So it just comes with the territory. Whenever you love someone deeply, whatever happens to them happens to you. just increases the opportunity for pain. And then when you live with someone that closely, like a spouse or a child, when you're that close together for that length of time, where well, you're just bound to have pain and, uh, and cause pain on one another. I'm reminded of the story Rabbi Kushner tells about a, a student in his congregation who did very well in school and went off to Harvard, did very well at Harvard, was offered a, a Ph.D. opportunity, a fellowship, with his favorite professor at Harvard. And he walked into the rabbi's office one day and told him about it. And the rabbi said, I know that's wonderful. That's what you've been studying for. And he said, I don't think I'm going to take it. And he said, why not? He said, well, this professor has been a hero to me. He's been like a, a great mentor to me. And he said, I'm afraid that when we start spending time together, that I'll be disappointed in him or that he'll be disappointed in me. And Kushner's response, I thought, was right on target. He said, Yes. Yes, that will happen. Anytime you spend a lot of time with someone and you get to know them that well, you will disappoint them. They will disappoint you. That comes with the territory. It comes by being in close proximity and relationship with one another. And so there's always perils and pain in relationships because we get to know each other so well and we spend so much time with one another. And frankly, none of us is perfect. David probably experienced that. And then finally, I think... David experienced pain in his parenting because, well, he just made some big mistakes. He made the mistake of the example he set for his children. Mark told you last Sunday about David and Bathsheba. 
And you can well imagine after David's episode with Bathsheba how difficult it is for David to talk to his son about his acting out with his half-sister. David has lost all moral authority in this situation. His examples made a mistake. And then when his children began acting out, David was passive. His children literally got away with murder. And David didn't intervene. He made some mistakes. So David experienced in our story today a lot of pain. Some of it comes with the territory. Some of it's just with the situation that he had particular to his time. And then some of it because he made mistakes. But that's not the good news. The good news is that David hung in there. He never quit parenting. And he moved from knowing the pain of parenting to knowing the promise and the joy. I'm reminded of the story that the Hindus tell of an old man in India. And the old man is sitting by a tree and there's a scorpion caught in the roots of the tree. So the old man decides to try to free the scorpion. So he touches the scorpion to to get the scorpion free and he gets stung. Touches the scorpion again while he frees him a little bit more and he's stung again. A third time he reaches down because he can free the scorpion this time. And a third time he is stung as the scorpion goes free. A younger man sitting there watching all this and he starts laughing and he says, Oh man, what in the world are you doing? You know if you touch that scorpion, he's going to sting you. And the old man makes a response something like this. He says, Just because it's in the nature of the scorpion to sting, why should I change my nature, which is to love and to help when possible? I think as parents, as people who are involved in family relationships. It's a similar thing. Just because it's in the nature of relationships that people are going to get hurt. Why should we change our nature, which is to have relationships and to love and and care and sacrifice as much as possible in those relationships? The good news is David didn't quit. David didn't quit. And if you keep reading the story of David, you read not just about Amnon, and his brother Absalom and their problems, but you read about a young man whose name is Solomon. And you fast forward and you watch David begin to teach this son about life and about ruling. And what you come to find out is that Solomon gets to build the temple that David never got to build. And that Solomon extends the borders of Israel to their their greatest heights, to uh, a range that David could never envision. Israel enjoys the security they never enjoyed in David's day and a prosperity they never enjoyed. And as a father, I can tell you if that's going to be that kind of success in the family, you'd rather your children have it than you. What joy came into David's life as he stayed longer? And then what joy must have continued to come to him as he watched events unfold even after his life? So that gets me to raise the question, why did David experience such joy in parenting? And the answer, it seems to me, is just like pain, joy comes with the territory. Anytime you love someone enough to risk pain and to become vulnerable, you also open yourself up to the most meaning and contentment that you can have in life. And that's through relationships. You will experience depth of being known and of getting to know others that you simply cannot know any other ways. The satisfaction a relationship far outweighs the discomfort and the pain. It comes with the territory. But it must also be said, in fairness to David, that he did do some things right 
in parenting. He did generally, except for Bathsheba, set a good example of integrity and forgiveness. But this is what I'd like to close with. The main reason that David got to know the joys of parenting, the promise of family relationships, was simply the goodness and grace of God. Our family relationships are the main way that God intends to bless us on this earth. It is God's good gift to us as it was to David. Yes, it brought pain, but it brought greater joy. Now, I'm not saying this morning that that I'm guaranteeing all your family relationships are just going to come out great. That's not going to happen. Because people have responsibility in life and they they have to own part of it and people do make mistakes. Years ago, I met a family that had five kids, and I was real interested in their five grown kids because I come from a family of five kids. And I said, well, tell me about them. They said, well, they're all just five or six years apart, and they're all very involved in education. One's in graduate school at Stanford on the West Coast. One's in graduate school at Harvard on the East Coast. One's an undergrad in College Station at A&M. One's an undergrad in Austin at UT. And then one's in Huntsville. And I said, oh, it's Sam Houston? And he said, no, he's in the penitentiary no guarantees there's no guarantees i'm not giving you that but i am telling you that there's no joy unless you're willing to risk the pain and then the joy will far outweigh that pain i thought about it for a few moments um this week all the things that i've learned as a parent that i wouldn't have known otherwise you know be a long list let me just give you a few things that i know that i know now that i wouldn't have known otherwise i know first of all what i've learned is you don't wear your athletic socks up to here Learned that from my kids. I've learned when I can tuck in my T-shirt and when I can't. Because occasionally I hear the refrain, Dad, you look like such an old man. So I know that's out. I've learned how to use an iPod. I've learned how to do things on a laptop computer. I have learned things that I couldn't have learned any other way. And most surprising to me, I learned that I like alternative rock music better than the music I grew up with. There are many gifts that come in this relationship. Did you see the MTV AP survey this week got released? It's also in our bulletin. This was fascinating. According to the survey of young people done uh, by MTV and and the AP together, when asked, who is your hero, 50% of young people named their mother or their father. And then more astounding and encouraging was this. For three-quarters of the youth surveyed, 75%, when asked, what makes you happiest? Their response was this, I am happiest when I am with my family. It is God's gift. It's God's intention to bless us. It will bring moments of pain, but it brings greater moments of joy. But here's the real kicker for me. David stays with it. He not only gets to enjoy what Solomon does, but long after David is gone, and long after Solomon, something else happens. You see, David has a child, his name is Solomon, and Solomon has a child, who has a child, who has a child, who has a child, and if you go forward for 960 years, there's another child in this line to Mary and Joseph, and his name is Jesus. David didn't quit on the parenting, and Solomon didn't quit, and the succeeding generations didn't quit. And because of that, we see Jesus. And, you know, I can't think of a better reason to stick it out 
in these relationships than my children one day and their children and maybe others around them will come to see Jesus.